unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of Raw and Unscripted with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show for you tonight, as always. And first of all, I want to acknowledge whoever might be here already in the comments section. Uh, where are you guys? Come on, the kick-ass kick nation of misfits. Where are you? It's Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. We're always here. I know you guys are going to be here any second. So anyways, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Raw and Unscripted Show brought to you by the Speaking of the Heart podcast network. If you get it, didn't get a chance to see our premiere on Saturday, myself, Scott Goyette, Shane Schultz, Stacey Cipher, and Ben Hayden, we all did a special premiere on Saturday where we introduced the new look and feel of the Speaking of the Heart podcast network along with the Speaking of the Heart radio network, which is fantastically exciting. So yes, we're rebranding. We're all here. We're here to be your resource to lift you up. Essentially, that's what it is. We want to be your online resource to help you get out of the funk that you might be in, get you rising, get you uh, achieving your challenges, being unstoppable, overcoming your excuses and everything else that's limited you in your life from preventing you from being the best that you could possibly be, from being truly unstoppable, as I always say, right? No excuses, coach. Unstoppable. Always having that mission. What's up, Tom? What's up, Larry? Good to see you guys tonight. So yes, um, how are you guys doing? Be sure to cut, put in the comments here, whether you're live or watching this on the replay. I know a lot of you guys watching on the replay, put the comments in here. Let me know how you're doing. It's Tuesday. It's the beginning of the week. And of course, yes, we have a lot of things going on at the time of this taping. We're still, we're September 15th right now. And we're still dealing with COVID. We're still dealing with the political situation. We're still dealing with everything that's going on in our world, which to me personally is a huge reset button, right? We've seen We've seen, you know, the red button that says reset. Well, mine says bullshit. So you hit that and it tells you something really cool, but it's a time for us to hit the reset button on our lives. This is a time for us to regroup and figure out what it is that we truly want to do and truly want to be in our life. That's the way I look at this time. It's been a phenomenal time for me. It hasn't been the greatest time, but uh, thank you, Larry, for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. So yeah, we're just, we're just here. We're authentic people really just trying to bring you the best that you can possibly be through our stories, through our journeys, through our travels. As you guys know, I'm the no excuses coach. So I've been coaching for over 20 years. I'm able to help dissect what it is. That's the root cause of most people's problems and help them overcome that to have awesome confidence. And that's what we do. And I bring you guys guests a lot of, sometimes I do my shows solo, but we also bring you guests and I'm super excited to have my guest on tonight, who was actually admittedly on our Friday night live show. If you didn't get a chance to see that, she's a powerhouse. Her name is Monica Kretschmer. Monica, how are you doing this evening? I am great for a Tuesday. Just for saying. A Tuesday. For a Tuesday. Right. <laughs> a Tuesday. So you're up in Canada, right? I am. I'm from Calgary, Alberta. So, uh, you know, it's kind of smoky and hazy here. Um, and the weather's turning. Like, I don't know what happened to it, but as soon as the calendar you know, flipped to September, it became like chilly. <laughs> I will. I'm like, is snow coming tomorrow? Like we're in Canada. We get, we can get snow at any time now. <laughs> right. So you actually physically in Calgary right now. Physically in Calgary. Wow. So that does get a lot of snow, doesn't it? Yeah. And you know what? I'm wearing my long sleeve. I was like, you know, getting ready tonight. I'm like, it's all long sleeve and, you know, long pants and, you know, like we're, you know, we have winter eight months of the year here, Chris. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, no thanks. I, I live in Southern California. We have summer eight months of the year here. <laughs> I know, I know. I get really envious. I have um, some good friends in LA. And so I see their pictures of them going off and doing the surfing and powder boarding and all those great uh, adventures on the ocean there. And yeah, so I can live vicariously through them. Yeah. Do you ever get down to LA much? You know what? Before the border shut down, yes, I, I did actually, um, it was easy because it's just like a couple hours flight. It's a real quick, direct flight. And of course, yeah, I, I visited frequently. Yeah. What did you like to do when you were here? Did you, did you go surfing and snowboarding or surfing and all that other stuff? No snowboarding. <laughs> um, you know what? I think the last time I was there actually, um, I almost got there. So I woke up one morning and literally this is, this is how I plan sometimes. I like, you know, we've talked about the universe before and listening to those loud voices of what you're supposed to do. And I'm a single mom. So I parent on and off weekends. So the weekends that I have my son, of course, you know, I'm not on a plane somewhere, but the weekends that I don't, I'm really leaving that open for creative time. And JLo was doing that, that great big Oprah, uh, conference and it was in LA and I him and ha you know should I shouldn't I go and all of a sudden I woke up that morning like really early and this voice said get on the plane you gotta go so I'm like okay let's see if this works out and there was like sold out tickets except for you know like row three and with that screaming deal and so I was like, okay, that sign's looking pretty good. So I ended up finding a flight and literally driving to the airport, trying to book the flight. I got the ticket and simultaneously was trying to get this all happening. Right. And I missed the cutoff. I was, so no. <laughs> yes, I missed the cutoff. And I was like, okay, so what's the lesson here? Cause like, usually I fly through like that and it's like seamless. There's usually no roadblocks when I hear this, go do this. Right. right? It, it usually flows really nicely. So anyways, I didn't get the opportunity to go. So I ended up, um, you know, just giving my tickets to somebody that, that needed it. So um, it went into good hands. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, hopefully uh, COVID will lift and you can get down to LA again and we can meet up in person. But uh, at least for right now, I'm thankful for you to be on the Ron and Scripted show with me. You were just on our Friday night live show and we've got rave reviews on that. Everybody just loves the fact of your independence, your perseverance, your unstoppableness, your, your, um, your passion, your drive, your energy. So I'm, I'm excited to con continue that conversation tonight. I'm, honestly really excited because I keep stumbling over my words and that's what happens when I get excited. <laughs> but uh, once again, thank you for being here with us and truly appreciate that. And I want to continue the conversation more along the lines of what we were talking about before with, with perseverance. I mean, at the time of this, like I said, in the intro, we're dealing with COVID, we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty and from your backstory, I'm not going to give your backstory totally away because I'm going to invite people to go back and check out the Friday night mm -hmm. live show. But you know, it's, it's, it's based on perseverance. It's based on the fact that you were a single mom with a seven month old and you were placed into a very awkward, uncertain position. And here you are today. Give a little bit of background on that for the people that might not have heard that show and just exactly what makes you unstoppable. So, you know, we had a great show and, you know, I always look back over the shows. I, I, I never really know what's going to come out, especially on these live and unscripted. So, you know, I think I shared a little bit about my story being a, you know, like I was 35 when I got married and then had a baby right away. And, you know, I, I described it as 
not listening to my intuition. And this even started before I was um, married, but you know, I thought, you know what, what could get worse than this? And the little stones became bigger stones. The bigger stones became boulders. And one of those boulders became get out or you may not ever be able to get out. So I left with my seven month old baby. And I always say that, you know, when people want to dig around, they want to, you know, what really happened. You know, all I can say is that when you're faced with a decision that you may not see the next day and you're that terrified, um, there is no other choice but to leave. And you're not even willing to, you don't even comprehend your next move. You just know that that's the move that you need to make. So I got out and I got out with my seven month old baby. But I think I shared with you, that was the beginning of my seven year journey where, you know, I knew what the walls of the women's shelter look like. And, you know, that was so hard. And I can really understand where women are in that sense of panic and desperation and utter chaos. And, you know, I, I always have so much compassion for women that are going through that. You know, I was, you know, I look like this, you know, I look strong and confident and, you know, I am strong and confident, but was I really that strong and confident when I married the dude, right? I probably was not, if let's right. be all honest, right? Um, you know, because how do you get yourself in those situations? You have to accept some of the responsibility on that saying yes and going through with it. Um, but I think that probably where I learned my biggest um lesson and where the depth of my strength came from was getting out through that. And, you know, I always say that I was tested beyond anything that anybody can possibly test a person because you would never put yourself in those situations ever. But my journey also went through the legal and the justice system. And honestly, if I can tell you what really um, was the hardest part of my life is going through that seven year, what I call the seven year journey, because just visualize you're in a fighting ring and you were like, no, and you're bleeding and you're cut up and you could barely lift your head up off the floor. And then somebody pulls your legs and they rip you through and they toss you back in again. You know what? That's the kind of behavior that goes on in the justice system. Oh, we're not done with you yet. Here's another lawsuit. Oh, you mean, you know, that journey took me 4,800 hours through the justice system over a seven year period where, you know, I had woman, one woman that believed in me. And if I didn't have her, I don't know where I would be, um, you know, 22 days of trial, like crazy stuff. So, you know, more on the back interview, but I learned how incredibly strong and resilient I was. And honestly, I, I became fearless became fearless. I became fearless because what is the worst that can possibly happen to me? Wow. I, I think I've experienced it. You know, I, you know, I mean, death would be one, um, you know, knock on wood, but honestly, we're so super humanly powerful inside of us. We have all, you know, we, we, we can talk ourselves out of dangerous situations, not even knowing art or science. You won't even have to Google it. You'll instinctively know how to talk yourself out of those situations. And I did. And, you know, when you love somebody so much, like my son was really the reason why I kept fighting so hard for me to be good for him. And you really learn. I'm going to say you don't learn. You do really have no choice. It's either you succumb to that. Baptized. 
or you move mm -hmm. forward, right? right? And I decided from the very beginning that I wanted to move forward. I looked way into the future. Like I'm a visionary. So I was always looking way far ahead, you know, and I wasn't concentrating on the pain in the moment. I was just like, get through this, get through this. You know, it's constantly have self-talk, you know, lots of little tricks that I learned along the way that I, you know, I think they're very valuable that can help people through those times. But when COVID hit, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Like I just, honestly, <laughs> I thought nothing, this nothing, is nothing this. compared to what I was, have been through. Yes. It's uncomfortable but we're all feeling it together. Exactly. Exactly. That's one thing that I really love what you said, Monica is about. We're all feeling this together. Um, what are some of those tricks that got you through? Because I, we talk about um, the words we say to ourselves, the language that we use to ourselves. That's one of the biggest things that I know that helps my clients get over what it is that's holding them back. Cause they just constantly use language like, Oh, I'm not strong enough, or I'm not confident enough, or I don't know what to say, or I've never been good at that and all these different things. But what are some of the tricks that you could suggest to people that are coping mechanisms or things that can make them stronger when they actually feel like they're weak? So I remember the laws of attraction and, you know, so the book, the secret was out. And so I grabbed And for me, that was a book that I gravitated to because I wanted to, you know, with all of the stuff that was uncontrollable, that was happening to me, that was nasty. And I had no control over, I wanted to be in control of something to put inside my mind that I could believe in and grasp onto that was going to bring me happiness. And, you know, it's, the laws of attraction were one, you know, another book was, you know, when I'd come out of the shelter, I got a ticket through the woman's shelter to go see Marcy Shimoff. And her book was called happy for no reason. I'm like, mm -hmm. I can tell you right here now that I am literally happy for no reason. And, you know, like to see me, you would have no idea what was going on in my world, but I just, I really dug to a special place where I wouldn't allow myself to go down that hole. I had to keep focused and positive and manifest the outcome, a positive outcome. Mm. How do you do that when, when everything's so dire and so desperate? I mean, for somebody who, who went into a marriage and says, okay, you know, listen, we're going to get together. We're going to have a baby. We're going to live a long, happy life. We're going to, you know, do all that stuff to be faced with the uncertainty and the insurmountable experience of like, if I don't get out of here, I may not see tomorrow. How do you, how do you find that belief that everything's going to be okay? You know what? It comes with, you know, every day, one step at a time. And when days were really, really hard, um, you know, I only had five people on my hand, core family. I completely shut everybody else out. For one, they would never understand what I was going through, nor did I have time for, you know, the daily, daily niceties and how are you? It was just survival mode. I was in survival <clears throat> mode. And I think that what, for me, I chose a playlist. You know, I, I did some daily routines. My, my son was very small at the time and I didn't want to carry that negativity of that chaos that I was going through to him. Right. So literally mm -hmm. there was one song that him and I used to dance with like over and over again. It was like Josh Groban, you are loved, you know? So if you want to talk about mantras uh -huh. or, you know, kind of infusing yourself, you are loved, you know, and literally I, I think I wore out the CD, you know, in this hole in my mom's carpet because literally I danced to that every single day and sometimes multiple times a day because I needed to hear you're loved. 
And as I was saying, you're loved, it was a message to me, but it was also a message to my son. You are loved. You are safe. You are secure. You are going to get through this. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, those are the things, one small example of things that I would do um, to make me feel safe, make me feel loved and mm. worthy. So even in those times, you were looking at things of, in terms of self-care to make sure you were protecting yourself to be as strong as you possibly could be for the next day for you and your son to carry on the mission of making that realization true, right? Absolutely. And you know what? There's some ugly times. I mean, I, I talk about the fear and, you know, I think it's important to talk about fear and why you get scared, why you get angry. And so, you know, for four years I lived with my mom, you know, I lived in her basement with, there's a crib, there was my bed and, you know, like, that's it. That's all I had. And, you know, it was really interesting because my mom and I, you know, even that was like, how could you live at home with your parents? You know, it's just like, who wants to live at home with your parents? But then I flipped it around and said, how lucky I am to be experiencing this time and spending that time with my mom as an adult. What other child would have that opportunity to build that relationship with their parent? So I really did a lot of reframing how I look at things. And we learned so much about ourselves. When we'd start getting angry with each other, I'm like, stop. All of a sudden it was like, stop. What's setting it off? And it was our fear of what the unknown was and how, mm -hmm. how would I say, you know, I was constantly being sued. So I know that in that brown paper mill envelope, there was bad news in there and it wasn't going to be great. And I knew that I, you know, they'd already broken me. I'm already down on the floor bleeding. And yet I get up, we're going to give it to you again. And so I would get so angry and, and we'd start fighting and bickering. And then also I thought, this is between us. We love each other. So mm -hmm. I learned some really interesting things about fear and anger and the association between that. Without reading a book, I just kind of, you know, because there's probably lots of theories about that. But when we get angry, it's because we're scared of something bigger. Yes. Yes. So true. I, mean, I think about, I think back about the time, because a lot of what you talk about reminds me when I was homeless with my mom, I was older. I was uh, 13 years old for the four years. It started when I was 13. We lost the house when I was 13. And then we were homeless. We lived in the backseat of, I lived in a station wagon with 18 cats and two dogs. It was crazy. My mom was, my mom loved her animals, loved her cigarettes, loved her alcohol. And then there was me. And I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, she did what she could do with what she had, but our situation was a little bit different. She was constantly fighting to take care of the animals and take care of herself. And I was along to help her take care of all that stuff. So I'm very envious of the fact that you took your son in like that and showed him all that love. I honestly, and I know you believe this, everything happens for a reason. And I think we have to go through these things to make us stronger. But I just, I just really want to just give you a shout out for the fact that you, you tried your earnest and every day to make that, make that special for your son and not to make it impact him, all the hell that you were going through on the outside. I mean, that's massive in what you were doing. Did you have any times where you were just like, okay, I can't take this anymore. I'm, I've, I've, I've been sued enough. I've, I've had enough downs. I'm done. I quit. I give up. Or have you always just been focused on that mission, on that goal, on that, on that end result that you wanted? Oh no, it was, it was not always pretty. <laughs> you know, there is lots of times like 
fear and where it's just like deep sadness where you cry. I mean, we're human. We hurt, we cry. And, and, and the tears became almost a cleanse as well. You know, so I didn't allow myself to just say, no, I'm not going to, I embraced every emotion that I had. And if it was sad and tears, you know, I would, I would cry and I would allow myself that grieving period and, and allow myself at some level to, to be sympathetic and have empathy for me. And I think that's really important, you know, because if you don't allow yourself that expression, you can't get past it either, right? You can't speed through a tragic situation. You have to live in it for a while. Even though you don't want to stay there, you have to embrace it. So yeah, it was, there was, there were plenty of times that I was scared and, you know, just, um, you know, how am I going to get through this? And it was constantly, okay, think, 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 right? How am I going to get through this? Because I like to problem solve. I'm a visionary. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes those times took took longer than others, but I'm human just like everybody else. Well, I'm certainly glad you are. Tom, Tom has a, a question for us. What was your anchor vision? I think. Oh gosh. You know, I, I say my anchor was really, uh, the universe to be honest. And it's really interesting because now my company is the universal woman's network. And it only just dawned on me like a little while ago. I'm like, oh my God, why that need come to be? And, you know, it's just like, I got really clear on listening to that gut feeling inside of me and what I call picking up the breadcrumbs. What are the, what are the breadcrumbs? So the breadcrumbs are the whispers. The uh, For me, it's just, you know, I, sometimes I got so busy with just, you know, it's like on, fast forward for me. So I get messages of what I'm supposed to do next. I almost, and I completely surrendered to it. I've been completely surrendered to that for several years now. And I call it autopilot, yeah. but I always listen and I pay attention. I never dismiss um, the signs, the signals, even the ones that say, get on that plane and go see JLo and Oprah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as crazy as that may sound, I'm like, that may be another opportunity for me in another direction. I, I don't bother questioning too much about it. If it's a message for me, I act on it. That's, and that's so beautiful. You say that because that's something I've struggled with most of my life because of my situation of being homeless and getting out of that and creating the life that I have. I've always been a survivor. I've always been okay. Plan a, B and C. And that's one thing that I had a coach last year and she's like, fuck mate. She was from New Zealand. She's a Kiwi. <laughs> she's a beautiful person amazing. And she's like, you're in survivor mode all the time. You got to get out of survivor mode. I'm like, I'm not in survivor mode anymore. That was a long time ago. I'm good. I own my house. I have a rental house. Everything's good. My life is great. She's like, no, you still in survivor mode. You don't realize it, but you, until you get out of survivor mode, you're not going to go to the next level. And mm. for that, she had to get me to trust my intuition and be more soulful and to be less, less, you know, cerebral and more heart centered. So I've loved that you said that a few times. How do you, I mean, in, in these uncertain times, I mean, obviously we go to our head and we want to, we want to evaluate, we want to figure out what plan B and C is, well, what's your recommendation to say to somebody who's got, you know, their, their life is on the line, they're losing their mortgage, they're all sorts of things. And then we come along as people who have, you know, are successful and say, Hey, listen, just listen to your gut. Just trust your gut. Stop listening to your brain. Trust your gut. Is that the advice that you would give somebody? Oh my God. I just breathe through it. You know, like the reality is, Things are just 
things are things, right? And, you know, I always think about the day that I left. What was most important to me? What did I take with me? And when you're faced with survival mode, your family, which was my son, and the car keys. So I got to get the hell out of there. And, you know, it was a bag in my son in the car keys and it was just get out. So I, I think that we learned, we think that we need all of these things around us and maybe they're supposed to shift. Maybe they're supposed to change, but just surrender to the journey and just have some forgiveness of just stop with the worrying. There's a bigger plan out there, right? It's just and you have everything that you possibly could have. And when you trust that you're safe and you're breathing and you're alive, it just makes everything else seem so material. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I mean, when I think about, no, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I talk to people all the time who are super successful and they just can't see the forest for the trees. And I'm like, did you wake up and your eyes open and your feet hit the floor? And they're like, yes. And I said, well, you're a million five ahead of the game. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, let me just give you an example. I said, um, you know, when I, when I'm out there and speaking in front of tons of people, which hasn't happened in a while, um, I'm speaking in front, in front of tons, tons of people. I'm like, you know, how many of you guys think that money's the answer? How many guys, you know, if you had a million dollars in your hand right now, would all your problems be gone? And everybody's raising their hand. They're all excited. They're talking to each other. Oh, if a million dollars, I'm like, oh, calm down. Listen, listen, listen. I'm like, so if you had a million dollars, everything would be great. Right. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to get up some million dollars. I'm like, no. I said, but here's a situation. If I give you a million dollars, you're going to give me your eyesight. Yes or no? Crowd gets quiet. I'm like, come on, a million dollars, your eyesight. You can figure it out. You can get a seeing eye dog. You have a million dollars. You just got, all you guys were just raving about how great your life would be if I gave you a million dollars, but now you don't want to give up your eyesight. And people are like, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, okay. Your eyesight's important. I get that. You've had your eyesight. You want to see beautiful things. That's great. Okay. I had a show of hands. How many would half a million dollars solve all your problems? And people were like weary, but they're like, half a million, come on, come on, half a million dollars, come on, play with me. I'm like, yeah, half a million dollars would you know pay off my debts and blah, blah, blah. I'd ask audience questions and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, here it comes. I said, so half a million dollars, you give me your legs. You don't walk, you're paralyzed from the waist down. You have a half a million dollars. You can get around a wheelchair. You can drive a vehicle. You can play tennis. You can still do all these things. You have a half a million dollars cash, no taxes. You could take it right this minute. Do you do it? People are like, no. And I said, so. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you, the first word out of your mouth is fuck, I want you to stop. And I want you to realize that your eyes open and that you can see, I want you to look down at your feet and see, realize that they're on the floor and that you're a million five ahead of the game. And then when you go to take a shower and you see hot streaming water coming out of the wall, like magic, and you get to stand there for as long as you want, obviously make it to work. Then there's like blessings all over the place that people never take for that people take for granted. And then we were right, Monica, the materialistic things, they're not important. It's like, are you healthy? Or is your family healthy? Do you have an opportunity? Do you have a place to stay? Do you know of a place to stay? I was recently talking to somebody who was in an abusive relationship and she said, Chris, I have nowhere to go. I I'm stuck here. I don't have any money. I don't have it. And I said, do you have a car? Yes or no? She goes, I have a car. And I said, you can live in your car. I said, I've lived in my car. I've known college people. I know a lot of people live in their car. It's not pretty. It's not fun. You can make it. You can survive. You have to get out of that situation. If you get out of that situation, you're going to go meet people that are going to help you and get into the right situation. I said, but you've got to believe in yourself. You have to believe that there are other beautiful people out there that are, want to see you successful. What is your experience in that? And, and I'll be on the other side now that you, you're successful now. you got the Universal Women's Network. You're helping people. You're lifting people up. Is that the advice you give to people? You know, it's really interesting, um, you know, during COVID, 
um, you know, I had uh, I had somebody reach out to me and, and more than one actually reach out to me. And in, in the same situation that I was in and they I hadn't heard from them in such a long time. And it's really interesting because this this woman had reached out and, you know, she has young kids and was you could tell you could hear the tremor in her voice. And, you know, I think through our experiences, yours and mine and whoever has gone down that road, we're the sounding boards of we're like you're not alone. I understand you're relatable to them and they just want to hear that everything's okay. Right. And that's what I find most of the time is that people just want to hear you're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And they just want to be reassured, you know, so you can talk somebody off that ledge. You can calm them down really easily because you've lived that experience. And I I think it's pretty hard for (laughs) I mean, somebody who hasn't gone through that experience to the depths of, you know, despair to be able to help serve someone. And I think that probably, you know, the rewarding thing for me is that my experience, not only did I become stronger, but I become almost really relatable to someone. And I know that the it's a gift that I have now to share. Yes. Right. Is helping serve other people and and tell them they are going to get through them. And I got through it. Look at me. But just not just let's say the road hasn't been easy either. Right. right? There is no shortcuts. You do have to keep focused and commit to it and 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 keep that vision of just um, positivity and surround yourself with the right people. Right listen to the signs. There's so many different things that you have to do constantly, but you just have to want to try and do more and do better and be very thankful. Better. Ooh, that's, that's, that's almost as close to my, one of my favorite words. I was, I want to get your opinion on this because I thought about this when I was preparing for this, this interview, I had a few questions in my head based on the fact that you are so tenacious. I had a situation a couple of years ago where I was doing something. I can't even remember what it was now. I was taking my bracelets off and my watch off and I was getting ready to go to bed. And I thought to myself, I'm like, it was something that I didn't do well. I was like, I don't know if it was a speaking engagement. I don't know what it was. And I was like, I did the best I could. And I, and for the first time in my life, you know, normally we say, oh, I did the best I could. And then we, we move on with it. And I was like, was that my best? Was that really my, and my best is a lot better than most people. So I, I try to not like strive for perfection, which was one of my guilty points before. And I'm like, was that my best? I'm like, what is my best? What do you think about that? When people say I did the best I could, do people really understand what their best is? That's a great question. I have to say that I think, I think our life is the journey of, I don't know. I, I don't know that even, you know, Bill Gates would say this is my best. You know, I think that we show up to be the best person that we could be um, to ourselves and to the people around us. And sometimes we're not so great either, just saying, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's some, you know, we're, we're all human, but I think, I think it's a journey. I think we could always do better. And just no matter what success that you've achieved, you know, like we're all imperfectly perfect. Yes. We could all do more, we could all do better. I think it's the safest way to say it. So it kind of like levels the playing field because 
nobody reaches this almighty standard where we're like invincible because we're not, mm. we could always do better. Right. So what causes you to do, to do better when you're, when you know you're not doing your best? I don't know. It's just, uh, my gut, it just doesn't let me surrender to that. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I fall back and sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I just said something inappropriate or, you know, I not really saying something inappropriate. Maybe that's a well, Yeah. I perhaps say when I've talked to myself, I've time. said I'm things good. that I pro really shouldn't have said, you know, because you love a person you don't want to, you know, <laughs> let's just say parenting is interesting. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I could do better. So a lot of times for me, it's like, I have this guilt of parent and business, right? I'm going to be very clear about that. You know, for me, I always think I could be a better parent, but on the flip side, I'm putting my own oxygen mask on so I can go be of service to others and, and, and be a role model to him, you know, and, and make an impact in the world. And so I struggle with that piece of it. Does that make sense? Oh, or yeah, I, no, absolutely. No, it's it always weigh on me. I could be a better parent. And then I'm like, what you stay home all day and you do what, I mean, you push yourself. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's less time for family. Cause I mean, I've got to tell you that balance piece is there's no such word as balance. I know. I hate and especially it. as a single mom running a business, there is no such word. It is mm. like you're on a hamster wheel 24 seven. So I don't know. Did that yeah. answer for you? Yeah, no, I did. I mean, I, I think, I think one of the things that we're saying right here, Monica, that it, that's beautiful is to be, to not only survive, but to thrive, you have to keep moving. And that's one thing you've said it multiple times during this interview. And then the previous one as well is that, you know, stationary people are going to get stationary results. And that's one thing I saw my mom do throughout the time we were homeless and throughout my life with her is she never rested. She never, she was always constantly, okay, what's next? What do I got to keep doing? And some people would say she pushed herself too hard. Some people would say I pushed myself too hard, but at the same time, we've achieved results that we want to achieve because we we did our best. We put forth that gut effort. We put forward, we sacrificed, you know, binge watching television and all this other stuff and watching football. I'm not a football watcher. I don't do that stuff. I would always be the guy that would be up on Sunday, you know, working on my projects or working on my coaching or speaking or whatever it might be. It was like, I knew I had a belief and I knew as long as I kept moving that the failures and the mistakes and all that other stuff that we identify as something that's negative, I started repurposing as something positive. It's like, okay, that was a, that was a mistake. That was an opportunity. And I just learned how to reframe things and I learned how to keep going. And people say, how did you go from being a seventh grade homeless dropout to being where you're at today speaking on? And I'm like, I never stopped. I just kept going. I had the perseverance. I got into school. I thought I was stupid. I was like, I'm going to get into school. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not, I'm going to figure out how not to be stupid. I'm going to figure out how to, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure out Marie Forleo for Leo. She's a, she's a major person. I don't know if you know her a TV personality and everything. She wrote a book called everything is figure outable. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And the audio book is brilliant because she talks like she normally talks. So she's got a little bit of a little fire and she's got a little colorful language in there, which I appreciate makes it more real. Um, but yeah, I mean our best, our best, I sit there and I look at it and when I say, I, I don't want to, I don't want my life to be perfect. And I don't want it to be all about being the best. I want to be able to enjoy the journey, have a little bit of that homeostasis in some respect, but you know, when it, when it's time to put the pedal to the middle, like right now, I gave up drinking, gave up sugar, gave up gluten, 
exercising every single day. So right now I got the gas, I got the pedal on the gas. I'm, I'm, I'm mission like focused. And I know I go through those phases where I get a bunch of shit done. And then I, then I kind of ease back a little bit, enjoy life a little bit. Then I'm on the gas again. That's the way I try to balance it. I don't try to balance it every day. Like, Oh, today I'm going to work hard for four hours. Now I'm going to rest for four hours. I sit there and I go gangbusters for a while. And then I'm like, okay, I've accomplished a lot. Now I can sit back and have a beer and kind of just chill out. But, um, I always challenge people to do their best. And they're like, what's my best. I'm like, your best is when you go to sleep crying, you got blood, sweat, and tears. You feel like you've exhausted every opportunity. And so many people out there don't have that faith in themselves, Monica. Um, it's, it's just, it's just so crazy, but, um, I just want to capture some of these comments in here, uh, real quick. And thank you again. Um, our dear friends, Serena Buffalino is here. Um, if you, have you heard of Serena? Serena. Hi, I love your hearts. Um, Serena meet Monica, Monica meets Serena. Patricia's on here. Patricia introduced me to Serena. Patricia introduced me to you. We love Patricia. Love you, Patricia Geigick. I'm going to say it right. Say it right. Um, Tom says I am alive. Good, good, good. Um, wisdom. What does it say? Uh, this one says, Oh, Teresa, Christopher literally saved me through his videos. Thankful. Thank you, Teresa. I appreciate that shout out. I'm just, just me being me, but yes, sometimes our things have impacts that are beautiful. So thank you. We're definitely glad that you're still with us. Uh, Serena says, use your story to role model to others that anything and everything is possible no matter what. You two, I, I mean, seriously, I Patricia should be the one that introduces you to, but I keep telling Serena, you're going to be acknowledged by Monica's because Serena is a fucking monster. She is amazing. Um, I don't use that word lightly. She is unstoppable. Her passion, her commitment to, to Haiti, to the homeless in Hamilton, Ontario. She just rode her bike over a hundred miles. Wow. Hadn't even tuned up her bike, rode it a hundred miles to raise money for the homeless in Hamilton. I mean, just a powerhouse. So I'm, so I'm, we, we, we talk each other up because we just, we just love each other and think that everybody's the best. See, even Teresa says I'm the best. Um, Tom says we have limit, limitless potential in all things. Yes. And again, Serena's here commenting. I think you truly know in your heart when you have done all that you can do, you know when to keep going or when it's time to move on. Yes, I believe you know when you have given your all. Absolutely. And uh, Patricia says our spiritual DNA is perfect. Mm -hmm. And that's that's such that's such a, a weird thing for me to even think about because you know five years ago I would have went spiritual stuff. That's the self help fluffy bullshit that I talk about. I mean, come on. But um, Patricia again says discipline. What is how disciplined are you? Are you a disciplined person, Monica? Or are you just are you just focused by 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 a virtue or disciplined by virtue? You know, I was raised um, some German background, and you know, when I was a little, like I have this really really amazing work ethic, and it it happened when I was a child. You know, like my dad and my mom and dad were very well. They were strict with us. We had rules. We had boundaries. And, you know, from a young age, it's like I did my work and then I could play. And, you know, so I still am like that today. It, I, I will not shut down the computer. Uh, I won't leave my work to go play or whatever. <laughs> play. <laughs> I, I have to finish my work before I go and do anything else. And I think it's really that discipline, I think, is really important to have. I, it gnaws at me. It's just like, I like to have my desk clean. I'm a little bit anal, you know, I'm, I'm an A for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm disciplined. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, so, I mean, speaking of that, when you said play, I kind of caught the fact that maybe you don't play as much as you should. 
you know what? Are you taking time from Monica? Are you are you loving on Monica? Are you just out to conquer the world? You know what? I I want to say that I'm building my empire. So for me, part of my play is creating, and Mm -hmm. nothing brings me more joy than being able to have a a sticky pads markers and going to it. Like, honestly, it's just like, get it all in my head, move it all around, you know, set out the plan and then start putting into action. That for me is fun. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so my enjoyment comes because I'm doing what I really love to do. I love being creative. I love seeing things that I've built come to fruition, right? So, you know, I, I try and play more, but I'm not going to, I don't know, like, for me, it's just I got something. I, I got things to do, right? So, <laughs> to do. but when I play, I like to keep it definitely in that mode of play, you know. So I, I'm, I'm present. So it's not like you know when I allow myself those opportunities, I'm fully immersed in that. So yes. Good, good. Because yeah, I mean, obviously, because I'm the same way as you. People would sit there and say, Chris, you need a hobby. You need to do something. I'm like, no, I love creating. Same thing. I love creating. I love this is what makes me fired up is the fact to see people smile and see people raise their vibration and change their their orientation about their life. That's that's my drug. It's like, I don't do drugs anymore. I don't mean, barely not, right now I'm not drinking. Um, so that's like, that's like my drug. But I also recognize, I went and saw a therapist one time and she asked me a very very poignant question that I'll never forget because like you, I had rules and everything. I was, I was, I call myself the child slave because I was, I had so many responsibilities before I was even five years old. It's, it's kind of insurmountable in some respects, but she asked me, she said, when did you stop being a kid? And I was like, cause she was trying to get to the heart of me. Cause she knew I was, you know, motivational speaker, Chris. And she goes, she goes, when did you stop being a kid? And I'm like, I don't know, six or seven, maybe eight, something like that. And I, did, I wasn't sure if that was a good answer or not. I'm like, we should never stop being a kid, really. But I was like, yeah, I was probably around there. I said, I was still did kid things. I said, but I had so many more responsibilities after my sister left and after my mom's husband ditched us and everything. I said, I just, there was no time to play. It was all work. And then mm-hmm. I'll let up to becoming homeless. Um, so I do recognize that, you know, we do have to take those times for ourselves. But at the same time, if you want something bad enough, you have to invest and make that sacrifice. Because what I see people doing now, and correct me if I'm wrong, is people will take more time to plan a tailgate party than they'll take to plan their life. They'll take more time to plan a vacation than they'll take to plan the next three years of their life. And then they wonder why they're stuck. They wonder why they're miserable. They wonder why they're playing the someday game. Um, but again, it is important for us to, to take that time to balance it out and kind of get away from those things, at least for me to be able to get more ideas and to kind of let it go. Do you ever feel like that? Like you just, that you've been in it for so long, you need to get away from, get a break. I I did reach that point at the beginning of August. You know, I had, I had really pushed myself through COVID and, you know, like I worked every day, you know, literally every day. And, you know, my light days were 12 hours. It was just because I was, I felt really on fire and I was like, okay, so this is a great big problem. Let's fix it. Let's figure out how to fix it. And what am I going to do to pivot and to do all these things? So I went and I, I just threw myself into being of service and building human capital and pivoting and, and working through this beautiful mess, I call it. You know, I was just like, this is a beautiful mess. And how are we going to get through it? And I just really embraced it. But I was exhausted by the time August came. And literally, I have never been so happy to go on a road trip. I planned it out. 
and my son was with his father for three weeks and then he came back to me and you know i was so excited to have this time uninterrupted time where we could go on a vacation and i remember leaving on that saturday going this could not have happened at a more perfect time because i was done and i didn't realize how done i was and how much I needed a break. And I just melted. And you know when you go drive down the road and you leave the city and you roll down the windows and everything, it was like magical. It was just like, Freedom. oh God, this lightness. And, and you know, I, immediately it's almost like I was feeling full of life again, you know, but I didn't realize how depleted my energy really was. So yeah, I, I, I pushed the boundaries on that one for sure, I did. But um, I, it's back. It's good. It's so you're, you're going to make more time for that in the future. I hope to make sure. Oh, you I, I, I did a lot of reflection on that trip to be honest with you. And, you know, so I definitely have been trying to carve out more space for me, but it's hard because I love to work. Mm -hmm. Like I just really love what I'm doing. I love to see the results and you know, everything goes so fast. I almost want to press pause on it. And you talk about the great pause and you know, there was only go for me. And, you know, I, I'm happy at that speed, to be honest with you. Um, there's no regrets. Wow. That's beautiful. And I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that you've realized that and you take care of yourself because I did the same thing. We, you met Scott when we, on the Friday night show, we talked about adrenal fatigue and it was like, we're both, we both share stories and we both find out we're more alike than we are different. It's crazy. And I was the same way. I was like, going, 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 going. And all of a sudden my mom was sick. She was in the hospital. I was still doing my daytime job. I was still coaching. I was still had a home life it was before my son. And I just kept going. And everybody's like, how are you doing this? Chris, you're driving 200 miles a day. You're going out and taking care of your mom's animals. You're going to the hospital. You're driving back here. You drive an hour to work. How are you doing this? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm built for this stuff. I'm built for this stuff. My mom passes away. We move into a new house and literally the next day I crashed. I crashed mentally, physically. I, I was like, am I hung over? What's going on? I know my mom just died, but, yeah. um, and it was, I went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, your adrenals are shot. You have to take this cortisone stuff. Otherwise you're not going to be able to wake up. You're going to be pretty miserable and all this other stuff. So it was like a real wake up call that I did not realize that I was in it and that I was going to crash, but it was like, okay, Chris, don't let yourself get to that point again. And ever since that point, I've learned to be more intuitive, as you would say, more intuitive, like, I feel like I need a break. I feel like I need to not check social media for three days. I feel like I need to go to the beach. Like tomorrow I'm having a beach day with my son, getting away from all the computers, all the news, all the other stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to go out there and stare at the ocean and play. So that's, I take these little day trips with my son every week to get a break from it. Yeah. But uh, one question I really had to ask for you is I know Tom was on here. Um, he said as a fellow coach, uh, do you have a coach and if yes or no, and then also, what is your, what is your creative plan? How do you, how do you take something from your brain and create a goal out of it and then see it to fruition? Okay. So the first question is about coaches. I have a shitload of coaches <laughs> and mentors and advisors. Like I really do. I, I feel so incredibly blessed with the amount of support that I have and everybody in my world that is a coach or a mentor or an advisor, everybody has their, their, I have a, a relationship with them and um, yes, so important. Right. And I think that everybody needs to have that support system. I don't think you can achieve greatness without that support system. And so if you don't 
have that. And if you're missing it, please go get that, seek it, ask for that. Um, I've been really blessed to have um, some incredible women, <laughs> women and men show it, show up into my world that just get me really well. And they, they embrace what it is that I'm doing. And um, yeah, I just, there's no other word other than deep gratitude for the people, um, Patricia, Heart Heart, Donna, Donnie, you know, I, I have a list of so long of, of people that have been really great sources of wisdom and perspective um, in my world that I'm so incredibly grateful for. That, is that awesome. was one, that was one. The second question was the creative process. Yes. How do you, how do you go from creativity to goals to, to fruition? Okay. So this is the ultimate is that I never used to sleep. Okay. So when I was like really tapping sleep? into my, um, my power, right. Um, I felt like I was always really exhausted because my, my brain would never stop. Oh yeah. Right. And so I said, stop, just tell me the answer to what it is that I need to know when I wake up tomorrow and let me sleep. Like literally I would say, okay, ask myself a question. I know what I need the answer to. And instead of spending the whole night trying to figure it out, I would just say, I know this answer will be there in the morning. And I trust that the universe is going to deliver that answer to me. Right. And then I have a great sleep. So when I wake up in the morning, I have an answer to what I'm asking the night before. Do you ask it out loud or do you ask it in your mind? I ask it in my mind. Okay. Yeah. I ask it in my mind. I'm like, and I literally close the door. Good night. You know, it's just like I, I switch it off and I'm like, I need all my strength so I can carry out the task that I need to carry out. And then, so that's the start of my creative process right? Sometimes I'll get a tap and, and a whisper where I get something in the middle of the night. And I write it down or I act on it and I'll pick up the you know phone and, and do whatever I need to do with that and Google something, whatever crazy it is. But um, I've tried to train myself to just wake up, act on it and then write it down. And if I have a busy you know day following, I'll, I'll follow up with it. But most of the time I'm really excited about it. I'll dig into it right away first thing in the morning. But I always go to the board where I write down the ideas on sticky notes and then I place them. And that part of the creative process for me is getting everything out of here and putting it on the board. Good. And I don't need to know the place that it goes right away, but I like to organize things. So I like to put it in some kind of order, right? But then I'll go back to it. And you know what's really interesting, Chris, is I have mm. to say the whole business from 2014, I literally had wall to wall sticky notes of my vision for, for the company. And so my creative process was a living document of sticky notes. <laughs> I mean, I, I had the normal business. Like that, yeah. Right. But it was, it was living. And then one day I looked at this, at the wall and I'm like, accomplished, 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 accomplished. And literally I had all the sticky notes down that I'd all, I'd built it. So my wall is now full again. <laughs> I have more stuff that I want to do, right? But it's the evolution. So I think my creative part is being able to just tap in and it doesn't need to make any sense, but just get it out of your head. Write it down. I love sticky notes. I call them sticky parties. And I do it. I love doing it. You know, write 
in the fall before January 1st. If I wait till January 1st, it stresses me out because the plans should already be in place by January 1st. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So, and, and as a coach, you know, this, you're like plan, create, execute and take action on it. Right. Most people forget to allow themselves that process or taking action on it because you won't see the results unless you take action. And if something's not working, change it immediately. Mm -hmm. And then start the whole process over again preach. Do you think, yeah. and I know the answer to this question, because I've talked to a lot of people, would you be as successful as you are if you did not get it out of your head on the paper? Oh, I thought you're going to ask me, do you think that you'd be as successful as you are if you did not go through your challenges? And the answer is, oh, uh, I got somebody at the door. <laughs> so my answer is, is that, um, I think that we go through things and they teach us lessons to, to on your path. Sorry, I got distracted. Can you ask the question again? No, it was, I mean, it was, I've talked to so many people and like, Chris, I know it up here. I've got it up here. I'm like, get it out in writing. There is an actual yeah. subconscious agreement that goes on when you place writing. And my question to you was, do you, would you be as successful as you are? Had you not put them out on the paper? Absolutely. I, I love because I find that sometimes that, will just disappear and it will leave you right i think it's really incredibly important to have that piece my son has just popped in here now and we're live hello my dear hello <laughs> and so yeah i definitely believe that it's part of the process is writing it down it's something concrete and so yeah super super important Yes. I'm so glad you said that, Monica, because I talked to so many people like, I've got it up here, Chris. I've got it up here, Chris. I'm like, how's that working for you? You know, yeah. I, I, you, you're the, you're the, sti so the sticky parties. I won't even go into that. Um, I have dry erase boards. I'm a dry erase board freak. I mean, if you saw, I have two dry erase boards, I have four or five down there that actually I can replace on the wall. I have a small one behind me. I have my daily one that I keep right here. So I'm like a dry erase board. Freak. So and I also you use know you know what the cool thing with sticky parties is you mm -hmm. can actually take them to the beach. Right. So, mm -hmm. so literally like, you know, and then you, you put up your stickies, you take a picture with it, with your phone and then you have it always anyways. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But then you get, yeah. I mean, I do that too. I actually take a picture of my dry erase board with, uh, some program that turns a dry erase board into something you can actually see really nice. But uh, no, I'm super glad that you said that. I want to go back and uh, I think Tom had a question. Let me go back. Um, uh, Serena had said, you're way, you're way too kind, but you are the mirror of me. She said that about me, I think. Um, even Scott says, Serena is a robot superhero. What's up, Scott? Thank you for being here, buddy. Robert Brooker. Hi, Christopher and Monica and greetings and salutations. Thank you for being here, Robert. I appreciate it. Robert goes on to chime in a similar way. I love connecting the dots between people. This actually is a bonus to building relationships and supplying needed fuel for living. Yes. Yes. We need those people in our lives. Thank you, Robert, for being here and for sharing that. No, it's, it's so true. And Tom says when one finds their why purpose in life is to serve others. It's magic. Yes. You know, that's, that's, that's literally, that's a great point, Tom, because one of the things that I ask people is simply, or I simply tell people when you have a big enough, why you have a big enough, how, is that something you would agree with? Absolutely. And I think people really pressure themselves into finding their purpose when, 
you know, I always, and I think I said, shared this with you in the last interview that, you know, if you look back to all the sequences of events that you've done or all the things that you've done and they kind of see it all jumbled and they don't really make any sense, they're always going to lead you to what your bigger purpose is and all the challenges that you've been through, they're all building yourself for that next, right? So I just, you know, it's so hard because I think I, I feel very blessed to have gone through my adversity because I don't think I'd be the same place if I didn't. I would have never known what that feeling was of wanting to do something so much bigger that will make an impact. I, I just, you know, and everybody that I've talked to, you tell me if I'm right or not, but I think the beauty, uh, the adversity is such a gift. So when people are listening and your listeners are going through shit and they don't think they can get through it, go thank you. Thank you for testing me mm -hmm. to see my greatness. Amen. That's Amen. how you find your purpose. So true. Turn your trash into treasure. I tell people the story that when I was laying on the backseat of that station wagon and that, that cold vinyl, my one goal was to have a house that nobody could ever take away from me. I was like, you know, I've been kicked out of this place. I've been kicked out of this place. We lived in Inglewood for a while. We got kicked out of that place. And my whole goal was that. And then once I got out of that, it was like my whole goal was to go back and teach kids how if they were ever in a situation that was not in the best circumstances for them, that to use that as fuel, like you, like in the beginning of the broadcast, you said, I was in a seriously, I was in a serious situation, which I equate to painful. I think that pain is one of the greatest motivators. And I think that some people will sit there and ignore pain and hope and wish and pray that it goes away or someday that it'll go away. You were in that situation. I think you thought maybe someday it'll go away, but you got to that point where the pain got so great that leverage caused you to change and that leverage caused you to, you know, they say the, the, the harder you bounce, the harder you fall, the higher you bounce. I mean, now look at you. Um, that some people we have to, we have to recognize that those things are there for us and happening for us. So many people have that victim mindset. Like I said, in my walk and talk this morning, I was talking about victim versus victor. I'm like, you cannot continue to be a victim for something that's happened so many years ago. Now you're just making it a choice to live in that self pity and not take anything and, and make something better for your life where you're an excellent example. I'm an excellent example. So many of us out there and there's yeah. nothing different between us. Like the people sit there and tell me like, Chris, you're an anomaly. You're different. I'm like, no, I just don't give up. That's why I came up with the thing unstoppable. Like I am unstoppable. My coach told me, she goes, you are freaking unstoppable. I had back surgery in January, 2019. And I was walking like I was, I was walking a mile three days later. My doctor's like, how are you doing that? Cause I could put one foot in front of the other. I put one foot in front of the other. I keep just doing that and I don't give up and I keep going. And I know that the pain is going to go away because it's making me stronger. And so many people just avoid that. They go into Netflix, they go into short-term gratifications and it just blows my mind. Um, so thank you for sharing all that because it's massively inspiring. It's massively powerful. And um, I know we, I want to respect your time. Um, who are some people right now that you look at in the public eye or yeah, I guess the public eye, who are some of the people that you, you, that you admire, that you respect, that you feel sets the example for young people and old people alike to, to latch onto and to listen to their message, to get them through these tough times. Who are some people that inspire you aside from Patricia and myself? I know. Okay. You know, that is a million dollar question because I have got to say that I am truly blessed by being, so the universal women's network, we have this wonderful community and network with women across Canada and the world really. And I have got to say that every single 
woman that I've met has something very unique. There's some certain beautiful strength in her that inspires me. And I have to say that, you know, I've, I've read all of the stories and I've probably read over 700 stories, you know, from the onset of building woman of inspiration. And, you know, I just, you know, some stories are so heartbreaking, but then you see what they've accomplished. And I'm so inspired by a little piece of every woman out there building her dream. And I know that may seem like kind of weird. There's not just one person. I see so many great people around me that it's like you're splitting hairs to say, oh, no, they're great. Oh, no, they're great. No, they're great. You know, there's just so many phenomenal people that have just taken such extraordinary journeys that I am inspired by constantly mm -hmm. every day. That's why I love doing what I'm doing. I know I, I, I get that same exact feeling when I'm coaching somebody or doing something. It's just like, that's, that's my drug. And that's, you know, it's so important because you said it earlier, you know, it's the people we're around, you know, if we're around people that raise our our vibration that, that raise us to, to be better than we think we are that have faith and belief in us that, you know, Oh, by the way, here you go, Patricia. There's, there's our believe again, you have to believe you have to have faith. And, and if you surround yourself with people who sit there and say, Oh, it's stupid to start a woman's network. Hey, Chris it's stupid to, you know, to do this. Hey, Scott, it's stupid to do that. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. I'll just kind of live here. So you feel okay about what it is that I'm doing. No, that's crazy. You know, when you get yourself around people who are fired up, like, yeah, dude, go tackle the world, go make the changes, you know, go live vicariously, you know, go backpack through Europe, go do whatever you got to do. You know, those are the people that you want in your corner. So I always tell people, I, I think of Stephen Covey and the fact that, you know, the five people you're around the most, you know, yeah. if you're the smartest, smartest person in the room, then you need to get a different room. And so I think you speak to that based on your journey and your travels. One other question I want to ask you that I'm that I'm curious about, and it's one of your programs. Can you talk about how women's how men can support women and what that program is all about? Because I firmly, obviously, believe in strong women. My mom is a strong woman. I've had a lot of strong women in my wife. My wife is strong, um, amazing strong women. Serena's strong. Everybody's strong. Um, what is that program about? Because I'm very curious about it, and I definitely want to support it. And I want my viewers to support it as well. So I think in the last um, show, I shared a little bit about, you know, at the height of the Me Too movement, you know, as a mom to a to a young boy, I mean, what, he was 12 at the time. And I really wanted, um, I looked around where my world was all women. And then I looked at him and I thought, where's the support for men? Where does he get his role models from? And so I really wanted to create um, a movement and then a system or a process or an opportunity for men to be equipped with the tools that are going to support women. Because I, I look at the big picture, which is let's move the needle. And, you know, all I could see is women together and the men over here. And I'm like, how is that going to happen if, if the men don't understand what the women need? You know, the, the tools have to be supplied. And, you know, we, we look at the top 5% of, you know, why is there only the top 5% of women in those roles? And we have to look, okay, they got there. How did they get there? They got there because they had some mentors and advisors and sponsors that have helped them on their way, you know, so we can get to that place a whole lot faster if we provide the men with the opportunities in order to show and mentor us through that 
provide us the opportunities. Um, you know, and I think that men instinctively, you know, fathers like yourself, we don't wear, you don't wear a different hat when you drive into the car and you go down to the beach for the day, or then when you go into the office, it's still the same Chris. And I think that a lot of organizations, they need to change the culture within the organization. And it has a lot to do with the culture where you make it inviting for people where they feel okay and comfortable about supporting women. Mm -hmm. and, and there's not that kind of uncomfortableness between, you know, thinking about they're kind of bad and, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, sure, there's, there's some really horrible things that have happened. Um, and that, you know, I, I just shake my head that we can't get past that faster. But I think that by equipping men with the opportunities, creating a culture where it's okay to support women and it's a good for business, we'll get there and achieve that much faster. So it's like, you know, you, for just example, you invited me on the show. How simple was that? Mm. Monica, let's share your story. Let's, let's, that is being a support her, you know? Um, can you write a testimonial? Can you write a referral? Can you make a key introduction to a key stakeholder for me? That's going to open up a door. I still have to do the work, but you know that relationship. So those warm relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are all things that really are huge, right? And um, invest in women. Buy their buy from them, you know, uh, mentor them, coach them, um, sponsor them. You know, there's so many different ways that you can help support women, you know, and champion for them, you know, and then teach the young boys how women should be treated. Yes. Yes. Well, if you ever have a program that, that, that does that, where you need men to teach young men about women, I'm on board, whatever I can do to support your mission, Monica. Awesome. I absolutely just adore you. I think uh, you're you're you remind me a lot of my mom and my situation, and just the the power and the perseverance that we both have, that Serena has, that Scott has, that all the people here have. You know that that unification, and then we take these messages that we hear and we learn, and we go spread those out. We share these broadcasts. We can make a difference. We can make a ripple effect in the world today, and continue on. You know, we got the Black Lives Matter. We got everything that's going on, and there's still you know women equality, women equity. We have to continue to fight for all those things because there's still there's still a massive variance in between how women are compensated and how women are you know placed on board of directors and all this other stuff that I hear. So whatever I can do and use my voice and my platform to either interview other powerful women or be a voice for young men, whatever I can do, I want to support that. And, and always keep me updated on whatever websites are going on. We'll stay in touch, of course, but I just definitely want to recognize and acknowledge you. And I want to tell everybody here, go to the universalwomensnetwork.com, go check it out, the resources, connect with Monica. Um, you know, where can they connect with you further? Is that the best place for them to hit you up or are you on social? That's the best place. I'm all over social and of course on LinkedIn. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. And I, you know, I just want to say that I think that the conversation is game changing for a lot of people. Conversation is the key. And just, you know, having those conversations with other men, you know, how to support women. And, and talking about it, you know, inviting women onto panels. It, it's all about the conversation. And so these things like we're having here in that dialogue it, is really important. 
Feel the power. Feel the power. Scott says just do it, but I think he's being dirty. <laughs> Are you being dirty, Scott? No, he's just reciting the Nike logo. Patricia says creating a quilt of belonging. Mm. That is very feminine. A quilt of belonging. It sounds like something my grandmother would say. Yes, create a quilt. No, I love it. I love it, Monica. I've always been a, a girl's guy. I, I've never been a guy's guy. I was never a hunter, never did any of that stuff. Never shot guns until, geez, 10 years ago, maybe. Um, so I've always just, I've most of my coaching clients have always been women. I've always resonated with women a lot more. Sorry, Eric. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Eric's on here. Thomas Neese. Thomas is in the house. Feel the power. Thomas is another amazing individual making waves in the world beautifully. Thank you, Thomas, for being here. Scott says, keep rocking. This energy is spreading. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he says it's been felt. Yes. And Scott says, no, he's not being dirty. <laughs> oh, Monica, Monica, Monica. Thank you so much for being a guest here tonight. We're definitely going to continue the conversation. I hope you'll come back to the Ron Unscripted show. I hope you'll come back to the Friday night show. Cause like we said before, we got a lot of topics to cover and your, your brilliance and your, your honesty and your transparency, your vulnerability, your tenacity, your drive is all magnificent. It's truly kick-ass. It's truly unstoppable. Um, so I'm going to make you a poster child for that. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Tom says, uh, thank you very much for your story. Appreciate it. Hope you got what you were looking for, Tom. Anything else you want to add to the conversation tonight, Monica, before I end out the show? Well, I just want to say thank you to you. Um, you know, and, and really it, these things can't happen without somebody taking the initiative. I mean, it's a Tuesday night and your commitment and your dedication to being of service to others is really amazing. And I'm very thankful, Patricia, I know you're there, but I'm super um, thankful to the wonderful people in my world that are connecting the dots for us because it truly is how things happen. And, you know, like minds, like shared values, um, move mountains. So thank you so much for having me on the show. And for those that are watching, please, by all means, please reach out to me. Um, LinkedIn's really good. Um, sign up for the newsletter. We've got a newsletter that I'm really power. Like it's been going on for six years. So sign up for the newsletter, get involved and, um, watch what we've got going on. Lots of stuff happening. Yes, I agree. I get the newsletter and it's, it's beautiful. It's very impactful. It's got a lot of great things in it. So um, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. I'm just going to place you backstage for a second. Don't go anywhere. Um, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another brilliant broadcast of the Ron and scripted show with yours truly Christopher Roush and Monica Kretschmer. Um, you know, listen, you guys have been listening, watching for an hour and 10 minutes, hopefully taking notes. We've talked about the power of taking what's up in here and putting it down on paper, but you can't just do that. You got to take it out on paper and you got to put it into action. You got to sit there and say, okay, what, what is an immediate action I could take on this goal right now? That's going to move me closer. You guys know me. I'm big into questions. There's a question you can ask yourself every single moment when you're doing something that you're questioning whether or not it's going to be good for you or bad for you. You can just simply ask yourself, is this moving me closer to or further from my stated goals and my objectives? So if you've written out your goals, if you've written out your six-month goals, your year goals, your three-year goals, your five-year goals, your 10-year goals, and you've written out your eulogy, which is something I go through all with my coaching clients. If you have a clear map of where it is that you want to go and who you want to be when you get there and what legacy you want to live in this, leave in this life, then that simple question of saying, Hey, listen, you know, if this chapstick was bad, if I was about to use this, is this getting me closer to or further from my stated goals? This potentially could impair the fact that I might be able to do something later on, whatever it might be. 
you use that as leverage. You use that as leverage because the pain of regret for me is the major leverage point in my life. I do not want to get to be older and look back on my life and say, wow, I'm really sorry for the chances I didn't take. And I heard somebody say that recently. I can't remember who it was. They were talking to their dad. Oh, I'm sorry. I was listening to a podcast and the, and the podcaster was saying that his dad had cancer. And he said, you know, dad, do you have any regrets? And he says, I regret, he goes, I have a great life. I have a beautiful family. He goes, but honestly, I regret not taking some of the risks that I would have taken, you know, because I want, I'm curious to see where my life would have been if I would have taken it and not played it safe, you know? So whatever it is, have your roadmap, have your vision in your life of what it is that you want to accomplish, get the right people around you and be the right person in the world that we need. You know, if you're not part of the solution, then you're part of the problem, ladies and gentlemen. So really identify that. Look at yourself in the accountability mirror every day, every day and just say, what am I going to bring to this world? What am I going to bring to myself? Am I going to love myself enough today to take the action that maybe is going to be tough? Maybe it's going to be a sacrifice. Maybe it's going to be brutal. Maybe I'm going to go like, like Monica did, you know, took her seventh month old and said, boom, I'm going to go to the woman's shelter that I used to donate stuff to. And I'm actually going to be there because I have no place else to go and look where she's gone. So trust your soul, trust your heart, trust yourself, believe in everything's going to work out. Okay. Everything's going to work out amazing. Even, you know, it just all depends on you. It depends on your choices. It depends on your belief. As I say right here, believe, um, it depends on your attitude. What doesn't kill me only makes me stronger. I put it on my arm. That's how committed I am to being successful. That's how committed I am to being unstoppable is that even when I, the master motivator, the no excuses coach get down and be like, you know what? Screw this stuff. I'm tired of this. I've fought all my life. I don't want to fight anymore. You know, I just looked down. I made a note. I put a permanent sticky note on my arm and says, what does it kill me? Makes me stronger. So then I changed my perspective. Like, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? What, what, what out of all this adversity and all this crap, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? And that is the beautiful part of life is that when you wake up to the fact that it's happening for you and not to you, that's where you can start to really, truly live and not just exist. I love you guys. Stay kick-ass, stay unstoppable. 